Want to stream cognitive dissonance to your Android or iPhone? Buy the app. Go to dissonancepod.com and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page. Each purchase helps support the show. Ay, 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 ay. The horny old priest had a stiffy. His one biggest joy was to pull off a boy. The thought made him come in a jiffy. Uh, hey, this is Keith Lincom, uh, Glory Hole. This is James from Arkansas. Really enjoyed the segment with Pat Robertson and the Clinkers. Thought I'd uh, clue you guys in in case you were curious as to what precisely Clinkers are. And no, it's not a medical condition. It, it comes from the days whenever we burned most everything. Uh, for most of all of our energy, we burned coal. Now, when coal uh, incompletely combusts, it leaves behind a residue that forms into these tiny little rocks. Right? And they're called clinkers. Now, um, so while, you know, this is somewhat less entertaining than the prospect of Pat Robertson just making up words, uh, it is somewhat more disturbing that Pat Robertson seems to think that human beings have a boiler inside of them, and that's how they metabolize food. Anyway, uh, keep up the good work, and uh, did I say glory hole? I think I said glory hole. Well, either way, glory hole, and one more can't hurt. Hey, Cecil and Tom, it's Miranda from South Louisiana. I was just listening to episode 120 at the very end where the guy had the funny story about the long black cough. I have a, a similar one, actually. I was driving to work the other morning listening to your podcast and had it blasting and all my windows open. I was driving through the ghetto, incidentally, and a black gentleman was walking past my car while I was stopped at the red light just as a long black cock song was on. We exchanged looks. He kind of gave me a what-the-fuck kind of look, and luckily the light turned green before anything else happened. Hey, guys. Just wanted to congratulate you on all of your great work, and episode 120 was hilarious. And, oh, God, hold on. Oh, God, hold on. I got a real bad case of the clinkers. I'm really sorry about that. That was very rude. Uh, anyway, again, great show. Love it. And uh, keep up the good work. And, oh, God, make sure to eat your vegetables and your meat and everything. Or you'll get the clinkers. Bye-bye. advise that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at this is episode 121. And I, I do want to say, Cecil, that earlier today I just had the little, like, the intro, like, the, this is Cognitive Dissonance, like, yeah, running yeah. through my head. But it was running through my head wrong. So in my head, I was thinking, we bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irrelevance. Irrelevance is even better. 
sure. And it, Why didn't we think of that? And I kept telling myself, like, I don't think that's right, dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> Irrelevance is way better, is I better. think. We didn't yeah. think of it because it's – I guess we thought of it 121 repetitions. It only took, only took 121 times. I was afraid I was going to say it wrong, so again, I'm back to reading it. I took a break from reading it for one or two episodes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you're going to have to start reading uh, because so you don't sabotage yourself with your own misremembering of it. It's three fucking lines. I would it be the really, worst actor ever. They'd give me my lines. It's pretty bad, like, yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to just read all these. You're like a cue card queen. <laughs> like, it's like you just stand there and they just keep on pulling those cue cards. Just like constantly teleprompter. Yeah. <laughs> like this. You walk around. You're like Obama. You have one strapped to your chest <laughs> where you just walk around like. This man is operated by a series of monitors. Yeah. <laughs> How is this happening? So some of our listeners may have uh, been expecting a guest on this show because we said yeah. there was going to be a guest on this show. I messed up the dates. Um, but there is not going to be a guest no. on the show. No what should have happened? Here's what should have happened. Here's why. So Cecil's on vacation for like two weeks, right? And during that time, all I had to do was post the show and probably maybe consider the show once or twice. And had I done that, I would have contacted <laughs> our guest and confirmed, but instead, yeah. I fucking lollygagged around like I was on fucking vacation, not doing jack shit, and uh, it fell through. So we're, yeah. we're a week it's, off. It, we are a week off. It's not a big deal. He was immediately like, yeah, I'll come on next week, because I had thought for some reason before I left that I had hammered out the day with him. I was like, oh, we're going to have uh, Blaskowitz on first, then we'll have Gr- uh, Grothy on next, and then we'll try to get on Bogazian later on in the month. And then I'm just like, oh. I, I when I go to read the email, it's like, yeah, we'll hammer it out. When I come back, I'm like, I've already been back for a week. We have not hammered it out. Bad at this. We're bad at this. 121 in. We're bad at this. We're gonna hit our stride though. We're Eventually, gonna, it's yeah, gonna happen. 560. We're gonna be, we'll be banging it out of the park. We'll have one listener left at that point. Like, I don't know. I can't turn them off. Like, just. Well, I, I thought that the that the point of the church was to worship God, and the boy fucking was just incidental. No, it's just the other way around. The point of the church is the boy fucking. All the other stuff is just busy work. So this story comes from the Sydney Morning Herald. Filthy little liar, nuns abused child sex victim court hears. This is so bad. Uh, yeah, it this, is. If you if you were like the kind of person. That was thinking, you know, I still have a shred of fucking faith in humanity. What can I do to destroy that? <laughs> I don't know. Turn to the fucking Sydney Morning Herald and read the story. Tune in, I'll just tune in cognitive dissonance. That'll destroy right. any bit <laughs> I have. Just, it's destroyed before they get past the intro. I can't it really fucking remember. Is. Are True. you kidding me? So this is basically a court testimony of a, a child sex abuse victim who was abused by this priest. Okay, it's not even a story. We don't even report those anymore. It happens so frequently when I read them. Yeah. But then the worst part, the story part, is she goes to a nun and is like, hey, so one of these priests is, uh, you know, screwing around with me. They call her a filthy little liar and they make her drink a bottle of castor oil. Because that's how you handle that situation. That's how you cure rape. Right. I don't know if you knew oh, that. God. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. It's the cure for rape. I'll just make you vomit repeatedly. Right. 
When in yeah, doubt, like blame the child. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like you know, like you aren't already vomiting when you've been raped, right? Right. Like this oh, guy. And this guy. Jeez. What a scumbag this guy is. Um, but there's a port here um, where you know there's it's sort of detailed, and we got yelled at for being detailed last time, so we're not going to be as detailed. If you want to read the article, um, I will say they use the word erection in the article. So, uh, so if you're interested, go find the article. But it says here underneath erection, it says the jury heard <laughs> that Egan abused the woman. On at least three other occasions, including placing his penis in her mouth during preparations for Palm Sunday. And I immediately I thought, now is it in the mouth or is it in the palm? And I thought, well, probably, you know, it's one of, it's one of those moments where it, like, it, it melts in your mouth, not in your hand sort of thing. <laughs> so, like, you know. I don't know that that's a good joke to tell here. I don't know that but, uh, either, but I like that you told it. Yeah, uh, yeah it, you know, what initially what this, this woman uh, went to go talk to somebody, though, about this, like you said, like a nun to talk about this, and they just called her a liar about this. And there's like a whole, isn't there a whole movie about this, like that doubt? Yeah, isn't that right? It's very similar, yes. except for in that Good they call. believed the girl. You know what I mean? Like in that they believed that the that the guy was actually diddling kids. That's what the nun believed. You know, she actually got the guy fired. Here, here's the thing, Cecil. It's a very believable claim. Right. right. This is not an extraordinary claim that we're exactly. not aliens at this point. Exactly. We, we are we are at a point in history where it's like the priest. I mean, if you were to like fucking play Mad Libs and the words you have are the priest blank me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's asking for a Blessed. verb. Blessed. <laughs> Blessed is not going to be – it would actually yeah. be funny to play, like to take a survey. Like, yeah, it would be like Family Feud where you're like <laughs> survey says and Blessed is like number three. <laughs> it would all be filthy because like yeah. at this point it's a fucking joke. Like priests have, are, are they're fucking like the kitty diddling masters of the universe. They're like yeah. holding up their dick in front of the church and like, by the power of Catholicism, I am Bill Man, you know? By the power of my balls. <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing is, is that you said it's not an extraordinary claim. It's sex abuse is not an extraordinary claim ever. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing is like, it's never an extraordinary claim. It's like, like we shouldn't be looking to the person who says that they're a victim and say, okay, well, you know, you're, you're obviously telling a lie. Like we need to, you know, I mean, obviously you need checks and balances there to make sure that people don't make false claims. That's, that's, you know, that's a no brainer. But the very fact when somebody comes to you and says this, the first thing you have to do is be sympathetic because the, you know, if they're if they're lying, you can find that out through channels. But if they're not lying, you're fucking ruining them because they're the ones who are the victims. So they're going to come to you with this, you know, very vulnerable and they're going to be in a very vulnerable state. And if you treat them like shit and be like, oh, fuck you, drink this castor oil because that seems like <laughs> the thing you should do. Well, that's just going to ruin them. You know, that's just going to that's going to make them never want to tell anyone this stuff. So. You know, you're handling it completely the wrong way. But I think that this is this is one of those things that churches do. Most churches, and I'm not going to say all churches, but most churches do, is they try to cover that shit up as fast as they possibly can to make sure that they're, you know, that that way of life is not ruined at all. You know, your humanity is broken when it doesn't occur to you to err on the side of compassion first. Right. No. Yeah. Like when you're like, mm, how should we handle this? Well, we definitely need to humiliate her in front of a classroom full of people. Yeah, Even if she was lying, 
What do you accomplish by making somebody forcibly vomit and humiliating them in front of a classroom full of people? Like, what's the end game there? Like I said earlier, you shouldn't be treating her like she's a liar when you first start. At least do a little bit of investigation, not immediately grab the castor oil. Let's fuck! i fuck anything that moves! <laughs> so the second story um, continues in the grand tradition of, hope you weren't feeling good, um, <laughs> from the Times of India. On the world stage, India lets down its child brides um i think even having child brides lets them down like just you don't it's not like they're like being let down in the sense like oh we didn't get all the gifts on our child bride registry (laughs) i didn't get my (laughs) i didn't go where i wanted to go on my child child wedding for my child 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 honeymoon honeymoon. (laughs) disneyland (laughs) sea world santa's village Is my bride tall enough to ride this ride? Oh, no. No, it um, turns out she is not tall oh enough God, to ride this ride. Show. Um, the country refused to, fi- refused to sign the first ever, ever – I can't read. I'm no, not you, reading. You're not very good I'm at fucking that. starting that shit over. The country, <laughs> <laughs> the country has refused to sign the first ever global resolution on early and forced marriage of children. Um if ever there was a fucking no-brainer to sign, like, hmm, yeah, that is a head-scratcher. Yeah. <laughs> a head-scratcher. You like it? It's like signing a, uh, signing a, a document to be like, you know, we're not just going to genocide the Jews. I know, right? You know, like, <laughs> like, what? Who, who decided not to sign this? And I've got to read this appalling fucking statistic. Oh, India God. has the record for the highest absolute number of child brides, around 24 million. This represents 40% of the 60 million world child marriages. Blah. What? <laughs> And I also got to point out, too, that the numbers here, they're saying, like, uh, married before 18 is child bride. So all the people who get mad when we say that, you know, you're too young to make decisions before you're 18, you guys can get mad at, at uh, United Nations, too, because that's how they measure their statistics. I'm mad at the United Nations. I'm <laughs> furious. I hope they sanction me. Yeah, no, I mean, I really, like, like. It, it really, it really makes sense to keep that age at eighteen. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there, because there are so many. Yeah. Could you be a, a, a child at sixteen or a, you know, an adult at sixteen? Yeah. You could be both. I think. I think that there's there's room for you to be both. But that doesn't mean that we should say that. You know, I mean, you got to go with the lowest common denominator. I think at eighteen, everybody should be. You know, you should be like, okay, you should be able to make your decisions. But you know, when you're, I mean, they in nineteen twenty. I was reading this article in nineteen the nineteen twenty something. It was 1929. They set 12 years as the legal age for marriage in India. So for a long time, they've been like, you know, fucking marrying fucking middle schoolers. I know. It's 12. 12 years old. Who wants to take a 12-year-old bride? He's like, hmm, 13. A little long mm, in the tooth. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, old maid, that one. Look I'm not up. looking for a cougar here. Come on now. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, and the other thing, too, before you start, Tom, I just want to say that that fucking 12-year-old thing was in place until fucking 1978. So under 40 years ago, it was fucking, you know, 12 years 
12-year-old grass in the field play ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus, I'm just trying to remember back to when I was 12. Like, what are the things I was doing when I was in sixth fucking grade? I wasn't fucking getting married to anybody. That's for goddamn sure. I uh, don't even know that I li- – well, I think I liked girls back then. I think I, I was like, oh, yeah, girls, that's awesome. Yeah, but, I, I think I was vaguely aware that girls were a thing, but I was busy playing G.I. Joe. I was too, yeah, absolutely. You know, like I remember in sixth grade, like I was running around the neighborhood like shooting fucking cap guns at people. Like I was a I, kid. I was a I fucking was, child. I was riding around with a bunch of other kids on like a BMX bike right. back then. Like that's what I that's right. what I that's how my evenings played out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's video games. I wasn't thinking about budgeting for like my financial future <laughs> or something, you know? <laughs> Like, oh, I got to make the uh, – I got to get the groceries. I got to carry the fucking water from the well because I live in a fucking backward nation that marries <laughs> children. <laughs> well, you're unfairly characterizing our country. If you won't sign the agreement that says don't marry children. It's- yeah, and also you have 40 percent of the chi- the children that are married in the world. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, yeah, but we got a lot of the population. No excuse. Yeah. You know, just – Sign the thing that says this is a social ill. Like, that's all you have to... Because the thing is that it says in the same article, in 1978, the the legal age for marriage in India was raised to 18. So it is already illegal in your own country to have child brides. Right, right. Yet for some reason, you won't sign the UN resolution. It's just a UN resolution. They're meaningless anyways. I know. I'm going to fucking bomb India because some 13-year-old got married and some... The rural backwater of your nation. It's right. It, it, it's a symbolic gesture. You're not even willing to make a symbolic gesture that is already in accord with your actual laws. Fucking a UN resolution is about as binding as a fucking putting up a flyer in Boise. I know. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, okay, yeah. There's I fucking I don't know. You see next week, fucking that band's gonna play here. Oh, and you know you can't marry child brides in fucking india anymore right like that's exactly. seriously like that's as fucking binding as it is and you're not gonna do that you're not even gonna do that. like and and you know they didn't do it because there's gonna be some sort of weird backlash right right and we've seen how many times have we seen where that backlash comes from comes from weird religious communities man like how many secular humanists are calling for like the 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 marriage of children like how many secular humanists are like you know it'd be really good more children getting married never happened. Maybe we can lower that down to nine like those, those Muslims have it. Can we just – Because they got a good – Right. Oh, God. That's, those fourth graders, right for the picking. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm a believer in Jesus Christ as I look at the end time scripture. This says to me that the leaf is mm-hmm. on the fig tree. And we are to understand the signs of the yeah. times, which is your ministry. We are to understand where we are in God's end time history. This isn't to cause us fear. This is to cause us, I believe, as believers in Jesus Christ, to grow up and mature in our faith and embrace. The prophets said they long to look to this time. The prophets long to look into the future, to see these days of his coming and herald his coming. And we're privileged to live in them. Yes, we are privileged. 
rather than seeing this as a negative, Jan, we need to rejoice. Mm -hmm. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. His day is at hand. And so when we see up is down and right is called wrong, when this is happening, we were told this, that these days would be as the days of Noah. We are seeing that in our time. Yes, it gives us fear in some respects because we want the retirement that our, our parents enjoyed. We want our children and grandchildren to have wonderful, positive lives. Well, they will if they know Jesus Christ. And if they know the glorious future that is set out for all of mankind, not just Americans, not just conservatives, but every human being that God ever created, that should give us and impel us on into the gospel. This story comes from Right Wing Watch. Bachman. Who's still interviewing Bachman? Obama is supporting Al-Qaeda, proving that we are in the end times. Um, well... Cecil, the uh, leaf is on the fig tree, as she says. So we are in the end times. That's how you know that we are in what? the end times. That's a, it's a quote. What? It's a quote from, what does it even mean? It means that when you see a leaf on a fig tree, then end Do times. fucking fig trees not have leaves? You don't talk to me like that. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Freaking, they're like the only leafless tree that has fruit. They're just like, how the fuck do they get any sunlight? How are they even considered a tree? It's like a weird, like, it's like this spindly-ass thing that just shitting out figs. I, <laughs> what, is this, what is going on in your brain? It's trying desperately to produce figs, but it's like, but first I have to flower. Shut up, shut yeah, up, shut no. up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a tree. Yeah, I, you know that the arming terrorist thing is awesome because she. I mean, it's cle- completely fabrication. Um, it's it's not that. It's uh, and 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 she says waived a ban on selling arms to terrorists, and it's uh, only non-lethal defensive and protective aid to uh, vetted Syrian rebels. <laughs> That's the same thing. Yeah, not not affiliated with terrorist organizations. I mean, it's awesome because it's just like, I'm just going to say some things that aren't even true. What do you think? Sounds good. Go ahead and say them. I have a platform for you to say them on. You know, the only comforting thing um, is that if you read this whole article, she does the Bachman, right? Like, it's the fucking Bachman two-step where it's like left foot left and she just says something super fucking crazy apropos of nothing that is totally unsupported by reality. And then she shifts again and is like, what? Right foot right. And then she just says, like, she changes gears and it's like, also, we should fucking stop immigration. And wait, what? Where did that come from? Like, every, she just vomits things out. Like, all, that's all she does. She's just, she's just, her mind only has seven things in it. And they're rattling around at fucking incredible speeds up there. And when she opens and then, her mouth, they just accidentally fucking fall out of her. Yeah, it's just, and they make such a cacophony of sound, too, when they come out of her. I like this. This is when she's talking about the end time. She says, rather than seeing this as a negative, we need to rejoice. Maranatha, whatever the fuck that is, come Lord Jesus. His day is at hand. When we see uh, up is down and right is called wrong, when this is happening, we are told that these are the end days and uh, and it's the days of Noah, basically, is what she's saying. So it's like it's like sh- these are people. This is a, I mean, this isn't just a person. This is a person with power who thinks that it's cool and awesome that we're moving toward the end times. 
Let that shit sink in. She's a fucking voting member of the fucking House of Representatives. She can fucking call bills into question. She could be appointed to committees. So she's one of 435 people in the United States that get to vote on, vote on things in the House of Representatives. 435. Right. <laughs> That's a big fucking vote, man. It's bigger than my vote. It's bigger than your vote. It's bigger than, you know, probably our collective audience's <laughs> vote put together. So... You know, when people are like, oh, man, you know, just a fucking few people believe in that bullshit. No, no. These are these are people in power. And this is not a she's not a fucking isolated case either. Right. There's a lot of people in power right. that believe this stuff that are that are fucking ecstatic that the end times are coming. So these are people who don't have an, a, a, a long outlook. She talks in this about like she's like, oh, it's sad that we don't get a chance to retire like our our, our mothers and and fathers did, but it's okay because we're going to heaven. Like these are people who do not have a long outlook on the fucking earth, man. They don't look into fucking twenty years into the future and think, man, we need to be like actually fucking sustainable twenty years into the future. <laughs> I mean, this is a fucking short amount of time they're thinking. They're not thinking like you know we need to be sustainable looking into like you know, hundreds of years into the future right. because of what we're doing to this planet. Instead, it's just like, oh, yeah, whatever, 20 years. As long as we fucking last the next 20 years, coast that shit out, we're good. Yeah, and, and you know, that's an important, that's a really important point because we've taken some slack about our, you know, mocking of Revelation, and we're going to get into that a little later too, but, um, you know, people have given us a hard time that we, you know, treat it as if it's a fundamentalist text. Well, let's not forget that there are a lot of fundamentalists out there. Yeah, that, that is a, that is a significant number of people, and that that is a. If if I'm I mean, how am I to decide which is the legitimate way to? Is there a legitimate way to read a nonsense book? First of all, yeah. like, what's the best interpretation of the cat in the hat? You know, I don't fucking know. Am I supposed to believe there's really a cat in the hat, or is this a, a metaphor? It's it's fucking nonsense either way. But here you've got somebody who, like you said, whoever you are listening. This woman's more important than you. Like, she has more power than you do, whoever yeah. you are listening right now. Let that sink in for a second. That sucks so bad. And she, like you said, she's not planning. Why would you plan? If somebody said, Tom, you know, <clears throat> are you going to pay your mortgage? By the way, your house is on fire. I'd be like, well, I'm not going to run in and get my checkbook. What the fuck? You, look at how many people. Look at how many people in the fucking in when they did that that fucking Harold Camping right. sang his yep. fucking song a couple years ago, and all those fucking people sold their houses, cut, fucking cut people out of their lives, fucking quit their jobs, started traveling all over the world, fucking racked up huge bills in hotels the night of. Are you telling me for sure? Like, I mean, th that's an outlook where you're like, I don't think that there's going to be a future. Right. Well, that's this lady, except for you know, on a little longer scale. Exactly. Yeah, a little longer. Not even a lot longer. Not even a lot. Like, this is an end. Like, you really think that there is such a thing as the end times. That's like a recipe for I'm done with this conversation. This story comes from a, a website. Uh, you just have to go to the notes. <laughs> Come on. Vasiznilaz. That's not bad. Calm. Oh, and it automatically plays ads at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to pause that shit, shut too. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Why do you never <laughs> shut up? There we go. All right. Um, New York FBI lead raid on Monsi Yeshiva. Prominent Brooklyn rabbi arrested. Whatever that all means. Listen, this story's awesome. 
because it basically involves a bunch of rabbis who were working with Orthodox Jewish fucking thugs to beat people up in exchange for money to pressure them for an Orthodox Jew divorce. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, like, it's a fucking awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just love the idea that they're just walking and be like, hey, that's an awfully nice marriage you got there. Would be a shame or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's awesome that they're just like, they're like walking up. And as they walk up, they like walk into the guy's office and they like knock the marriage certificate off the wall. <laughs> you know, like, like sternly knock it off the wall. Like, yeah, you're going to, you're, they're forcing people. I'm actually really surprised that they, that these Orthodox people are actually helping women. Yeah, what they're doing is helping line their pockets, right? Well, like that's yeah, the only. But, but it, you know, even peripherally helping know, women right? is sort of weird. <laughs> I did think it would go the other way when I read it. I was right. surprised yeah. that it wasn't dudes. Like, but then I thought, well, like, but yeah, in that culture, if you're a dude, and you want to divorce your wife, you probably just divorce your wife. It doesn't yeah, matter I, whether I she right. wants to divorce right, or not. Yeah. It's like, fuck you. You have no power. I've fucking yeah. divorced you. Yeah, there's no money in that end. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, if, if you have the money and you want to divorce your husband, but he won't take the divorce, you can go to a rabbi and get a hired Jew thug. That's just, How much does a Jew thug cost? I don't know, but it's the, it's the craziest thing ever. It's, it says in some cases it was $100,000. That's – man, you got a one out of that marriage. Yeah, really. You know, for, for $100,000, like you get you, you gets beat up. And you get a divorce for a hundred grand. Can't you just have him killed and take the life insurance money? <laughs> can't you just can't you just escalate this shit to the next level for a hundred k? I mean, you already have and don't I get like up. a like a free bouquet afterwards too? <laughs> and like, yeah, you give me like a fucking tote bag if I do this. Like, is there a way? It's like the NPR donation. Like, if it's $100,000, we'll give you the tote bag and the This American Life CD. Like, yeah, This American Life CD, and you can divorce your husband. And we'll beat him up. <laughs> awesome. You can't, you can't forget the beating. And you, you've got to wonder, like, how that plays out. Like, you're walking oh. out of work, and there's just, like, two dudes with, like, huge sideburns and the crazy hat standing by your car, <laughs> arms folded, looking menacing and hairy at you. And you're just like, oh, I should have said yes to that divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I am about to get an old school rabbi ass whooping. Yeah, they're going to beat, beat my ass Yiddish style. It's going to be great. <laughs> so we're going to wind up taking a break here and giving you some stuff to listen to for a few moments. And then we're going to come back and finish the show. Want to get in touch with the show? Send an email to dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at dissonance underscore pod. Like the podcast page on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash dissonance pod, or just type cognitive dissonance into the Facebook search bar. Want your voice featured on our show? Leave a short message on our Google Voice, 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Visit DissonancePod.com to see the news stories featured in the show, buy apps and merchandise, or just leave a comment. And to everyone who helps spread the word about the show by sharing it, tweeting it, and rating it on iTunes, glory hole, you fucking rock. So this next story isn't really a story. It's an essay or a blog post or what have you. 
um, from samharris.org. It's called No Ordinary Violence. Um, and this is a really insightful and interesting article, I thought, um, or essay or blog post or whatever the fuck it is. Um, and it basically it, it discusses um, the motivations for violence. So, you know, there's there's been a string of and forever have been and will be um, violent acts, you know, from school shootings to the uh, mall shooting that took place. Um, and Sam Harris tries to identify in this blog you know, some of the causes, you know, what are the types of people, what are the uh, types of people that, that shoot up a Navy yard or that, you know, uh, shoot up a school full of children or that uh, raid a mall in, you know, Kenya and, you know, murder people there. What are the motivations? And then how are those people dealt with um, culturally? And, and why is that problematic sometimes? And I thought this was a really interesting and really insightful article, Cecil. Yeah, I thought it was great, too. I think, you know, while Sam is spending his time going through uh, talking about, uh, you know, I think I think most of his writing has that let's throw cultural relativism out the window sort of um, sort of bent to it. It feels like this is this is leading the same way. And I totally agree with him. I think, you know, cultural relativism is bunk. I think that, you know, if you listen to this show uh, for any length of time, we will point out that we don't think it's right that you know uh, Muslims are able to uh, to you know hurt uh, people in their population that have less power like women and children we don't think it's right that they're uh, that you know that they whip women when they've been raped you know things like that I mean we talk about different stories every week that deal with this stuff but I think one of the things that that is uh, probably uh, more important in this is that uh, Sam is pointing out that this isn't you know we, we can't start passing this off as it's just a lone crazy in certain cases right. and especially in the case of uh of malala who is uh who's I, I don't know her last name i'm not i do know her last name and i'm looking at it but i'm not even going to try to pronounce <laughs> it um malala is the young lady from uh from pakistan who was uh who was shot by the taliban for being uh, a student for just being someone who was who was reading and, and on a bus and speaking out uh, that women should be educated and they shot her and then they said again and this is where where he quotes a Taliban spokesman says um, Malala targeted and criticized Islam she was she was against Islam and we tried to kill her and if we get the chance again we will definitely try to kill her and we will feel proud killing her we talked about this last week on the show and uh, and that's abhorrent and the thing is is you can't pass that off as this is just a dude. This is just one guy. This is just, you know, it's just one of these random crazies. Just one of the, you know, there's crazy people going to do crazy stuff. It's like, no, there is something to uh, his fourth point here where he says those who are moved by ideology to waste their lives in extraordinary ways while doing in, intolerable harm to others in the process. That is a, as an, is a separate type of evil. And that is something we need to look at and say, okay. Screw cultural relativism. Screw you know our you know this privileged look that we get at this at this world and say who is harming other people through basically you know through through the through their holy books through their uh, through their culture and and we've got to stop it. We got to we got to figure out a way to stop it. And 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 I think that you know he hits the nail right on the head there. Well, you know, and he identifies so he identifies four types of people in this article that commit, you know, these sort of violent acts, you know, and the first one is those who are suffering from some form of mental illness, right? Um, and that's sort of self-explanatory. Um, the second one is prototypically evil psychopaths. Um, 
and that one is also reasonably self-explanatory. Um, the third one is normal men and women who cause immense harm while believing they are doing the right thing or while neglecting to notice the consequences of their actions. Um, and his example is of a soldier fighting in a war that's an ill-conceived or unjust war. Um, the, the fourth one, the one that obviously meshes with this show, the one that you just talked about, Cecil, um, is the one where people are motivated by an ideology. Um, and he, he identifies that an ideology can be political, it can be secular, um, but so many of them are religious. So many of these things yeah. are religious. And one thing that the left does wrong um, is the left often leads the apology. The left is so quick to make sure that it is um, not offending anybody, that it's defending, you know, in its, in its efforts to be multicultural, um, it ends up being relativistic. And that is a fault of the secular left. It is a fault of secular liberals. And he attacks it in this article. And he's right to do it. Um, and I would identify myself typically as a secular liberal. Um, but I, I hope that I don't, and I don't think that I do, fall into this category. There's some shit that's fucking wrong. Um, and there's some shit that's it's motivated by wrong-headed ideas. Um, and this isn't a matter of like, well, you know, you can't really say that. You know, how do you know what's right and wrong? Well, I know that it's wrong to kill and maim and torture people. Um, and it doesn't matter what your justification for that is. It matters particularly when your justification is an overarching belief system that's shared by millions or billions of other people on the planet. It matters a fucking lot to the well-being of others. And, and this idea that we are um, constantly worried about who we offend rather than worrying about who we defend. We should be defending victims of these crimes uh, aggressively. Um, and if people get offended and their belief systems are offended in the process, well, then go eat a bag of dicks. Who cares? Who did you offend? You offended a bad person. Yeah, and and there's a there was a part earlier where Tom and before Tom and I started recording, Tom, you mentioned that secular liberal thing. You know, we're looking at right wing watch earlier, and and Michelle Bachman is quoted as saying um, earlier in the interview. This is the previous story that we just did, right? We just did a, a story about Michelle Bachman. It says earlier in the interview, Bachman claimed that Islam is a violent religion and motivated the Nairobi uh, mall terrorists. And she says the motivation is inspired from religion. It's their religion of Islam. I don't disagree with that statement. Like I, I see that and I'm like, okay, but I'm a liberal. You know what I mean? Like, and I think most of what Bachman says is babble. But you know, like, here's the thing. I think that you know fa they're falling on the wrong side here. You know, the reason why I think you know Bachman hates them is because you know she wants to. You know, she likes the idea of you know I think scaring the American people. I don't think that there's any reason to scare the American people. What I think we need to do is just uh, denounce the religious thinking and religious ideology that hurts other people. I think that we need to do that not just as a secular group, like, you know, as secular people. I think religious people need to do that. They need to look and be like, we're going to denounce any religious activity that, that hurts other people, that is damaging to other people, that, 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 you know, keeps other people down, that forces other people to, to live a life that they don't want to live. Like most of the people, most of the women in, in uh, Muslim countries, you know, uh, they've got to they've got to step up and do it on their own because no matter how much the atheists shout, nobody's going to listen to us. It's the you got to convince the religious people that it's wrong. You got to convince the Muslims that it's wrong that what they're doing is wrong. And it's great that you know somebody who's inside the religion, you know this this young girl is able to come out and be like, yeah, I think that's just wrong, and here's why. 
You know, there needs to be there needs to be a hundred thousand more Malalas. Secular humanism is the pagan god. It has filled our drug rehab centers. It has filled our divorce courts. It has filled our sheltered for battered wives. Secular humanism has filled our rape crisis centers, our mental hospitals, our singles bars, our penitentiaries, our roster of guests for the brain-dead television talk shows you see. America is becoming a pagan society. We are in a moral freefall when a school teacher cannot refer to the Ten Commandments but is approved of teaching the principles of witchcraft. Our country is going in the wrong direction. When the Boy Scouts of America are censored and penalized for refusing to accept homosexual scout leaders, we are a pagan nation without shame. When we bow down to worship movie stars and rock stars whose moral code would make a sow blush, we have become a pagan nation. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed sodomy and called it an alternative lifestyle. It's not an alternative lifestyle. It was, is, and always shall be an abomination unto the Lord. So our next two stories are both from Right Wing Watch, and they're both about fucking John Hagee. This dude, Cecil, was on fucking fire. <laughs> on fire with the crazy. <laughs> he is on fire. He was seriously inspired. With the crazy. Um, we are a pagan nation without shame. The topic of John Hagee's Sunday sermon was faith under fire. Um, and he just goes on a fucking rant and rave about how secular humanism is a pagan god. Those words don't even make any sense. Secular humanism, let me rephrase this for you. Secular humanism is a chicken burrito. <laughs> it's just as much a chicken burrito as it is a god. I, I mean, it really that 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 line just makes so little sense when you say secular humanism is a pagan god. But one of the things that kind of makes me mad about this is he starts talking in this in this clip, and we just played it for you. But you know, he starts talking in this clip where he's like, "Yeah, you know, they've taken the god out of this. They've taken God out of this. They've taken God out of the rape crisis centers." I'm thinking, you know. There are people in the religious groups that are raping people. You know, maybe right. maybe maybe being secular in that sense might be a good thing. You know, maybe just maybe. And he's talking about all these other places where, you know, where re- there's there's the secular is taking over and I'm thinking some of those places are really good that secular is taking over because religion has fucked it up. You know, he's talking about like uh, a- a- addiction. We talk about that all the time with, you know, like there's no uh, there's no root for people who don't want to do a, don't want to do AA because they don't believe in a god or whatever and we get mail about this all the time but you know I mean there's no root for those people so it's like okay well you know maybe god should be removed from that so there's so many things that he's saying it's like oh god's being removed it's like yeah that's cool that's actually okay jolly mcjollerson what you know when he says like you know secular humanism is filling up our rape crisis centers my first thought was yes with volunteers not with victims like it's filling up the rape crisis centers with people who are who want to help. Fucking, we just covered a story about kosher phones last week that yeah. don't call rape crisis centers specifically, so that 
these religious people can make sure that women don't get the help that they need. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You know, in this one here, Tom, one of the things that he does is he talks about um, at the very end, he starts talking about uh, how uh, a teacher can't look at the Ten Commandments but can teach like witchcraft in class. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Right. Witchcraft? Which witchcraft is she teaching? Because I don't mean seriously. Like, what is the what is the thing that she's teaching in class that you could consider witchcraft? Leather work. Witchcraft. Yeah. Witchcraft. witchcraft. Leather work. Leather working. It's yeah. Anytime somebody's like, well, they're teaching witchcraft. It's like, oh right, you believe in magic. Yeah, he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe in you know he. He's just living in another world. I know. If he's if he thinks that that's the case, he's like, oh, they're teaching witchcraft. Like, no, the fucking no, they're not. No, anywhere they're teaching. Nobody. They're never like fucking walking in and opening a spell book. You dumb fuck. Here's, that doesn't happen. Right. Here's the thing. If there was a way to learn witchcraft, fucking teach me witchcraft. I want magic. If fucking magic is real, I want it. I want it right now. I want all of it. I want all the magic I can learn. I will take the fucking online courses at fucking Phoenix yeah. University. I don't give no fucks. I'll take out student You can loans. turn into an actual Phoenix. Right. That'd be awesome. I can't. I'm, why would you do any work yourself? I would be I like fucking Mickey Mouse in the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. I would oh, have nothing gosh. but fucking brooms by the hundreds. <laughs> Carrying pails. <laughs> There's their brooms answering calls about mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> They're all depressed. They are all very depressed. Really? Yeah. Very fat. <laughs> this fucking guy. They can't get out of their chairs anymore. Like, why do we do like if there's really fucking magic, why are we still doing <laughs> manual labor? Why do we still have people in coal mines if there's magic? Are you kidding me? There's magic. Yeah, man. Well, that's because there's no magic. I know. I know. Like, it's the weakest magic ever because no one's ever seen it. No, like, it is the weakest magic. The worst thing that happens is, like, you fly a little too high as a witch in Zimbabwe <laughs> or whatever. Like, that's the worst thing that happens. Wouldn't it be great if magic, like, you could just, like, magic an airplane before it takes off? and be Like, we're going to use the fuel, but just in case it runs out, we've got, like, the magic parachute. As the secondary source. What, what, where's your magic, dude? It's, if it's a fucking Harry Potter book, I've read all seven. I still don't know any actual magic. You know how to say shit backwards or whatever. Right, it's just, it's like yeah. fake Latin-y sounding words. You just don't recognize Latin-y sounding words, dude. Because when the Prince of Darkness gets in here, he'll destroy everything in your life. The first step away from Christ is your first step toward the Prince of Darkness. When you reject the truth, all that's left is a lie. When you reject love, all that's left is hate. When you reject light, you have embraced darkness. When you reject fear, you have already embraced. When you reject faith, you have already embraced fear. When you reject heaven, all that's left is hell itself. When you read books about witchcraft, throw Harry Potter in that. The occult, horoscopes, Ouija boards, you're opening the gates of your mind to the Prince of Darkness and he will invade. And once he gets invited in, he doesn't go out until he's cast out. 
I've had parents explain to me, well, I let my teenager listen to rock music because that's all he'll listen to. Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. And this next story is also uh, Hagee. What? Um, He's awesome. This this one's great because this one he just goes on this like, if you don't like potatoes, you got to eat potatoes sort of a rant. (laughs) He totally does, doesn't he? He's just like, and if it's not dark, it's light. And if it's not good, it's evil. And if it's not burnt sienna, it's taupe. But if it's not, it's like... (laughs) Fucking what? Like, this dude is fucking like the dichotomy uh, central station. Like, he just looks at... Every, he really is... If it's mother- not oil, it's butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, not man. lime, it's Memorex. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, um, and, and he's... He's going on a fucking rant about the rock and rolls musics. Yeah, like, that's really? awesome, man. Because they're going to be smoking the reefers. <laughs> you got to watch out. <laughs> these kids these days with their brain thinking and their rock and roll musics. Uh, you are a little out of touch, sir. Yeah. Um, and they're Ro- horror the- scopes, Cecil? The horror yeah, scopes? They are horror scopes. They are. I don't, I don't know what that is. I think that's a movie that's coming out. It's, horror scopes. Yeah, Robert Englund's in it. It's, yeah. uh, it's a Wes Carpenter movie. Because <laughs> it's that outdated. Right, Because right. it's that outdated. It's, yeah. fucking, it's 35 fucking years old. Yeah, the uh, the the thing he talks about when he's talking about like you got to get that rock and roll music out of your house or whatever it needs to be taken outside your house and burned or whatever. I'm thinking like, really, we're talking about rock and roll music? It's fucking 2013, bro. <laughs> like it's a long time from when rock was like originated in the I don't know late 50s. <laughs> we're talking late these- 50s. <laughs> You got to get your kids' chubby checker records out of the house. <laughs> you got like, to get those Beatles records out of there. They talk backwards on those records. Those. It's like you know, it's like attacking Judas Priest or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh hairs. man, they use backmasking on their records. Like really, you're going after fucking rock music, dude? Really? That's what you're going after? There's no, there's nothing better to go after them and it's not even like the thing is is like rock music really isn't even a thing anymore Cecil how would you burn all of my okay if you were to come to my house and burn all of my music how does that work it's 2013 I don't have a shelf full of my music anymore. (laughs) that's awesome you have to burn your lap like somebody would have to like burn the internet like I'm gonna come to your house and burn Spotify yeah I don't Sir, I don't think you understand. You don't understand how any of this works. And then he flashes, and the reason, Cecil, and you know the reason for all of this, is when they show the audience. That's when you know, because the audience is all a thousand years old. Like the audience is all a bunch of fucking people with fucking neck waddles. You know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Like, the audience is a bunch of people with, like, fucking soft upper arms and neck waddles. And, and walkers. <laughs> you know? And that's okay. Fine. You're, you know, you're older. But, like, that's the only time you're going to be like, I'm worried about the rock and rolls. And I think I can burn a record. Like, that's not how music 
works anymore. And also, it's not what anybody's listening to. And also, you're just wrong about everything. Yeah, it's it's like having like a like having a crusade against bikinis or something. You know, when a bikini has come in, you know, talking like, I don't even know, like how long ago, like in the 30s or something, you'd be like, all oh, these new camp-angled kids in their bikinis or whatever. Right. You're like, okay, well, you're completely out of touch with all of the things. Right. <laughs> all of them. Ev, <laughs> there's nothing he's in touch with. The only thing he can touch is his belly and his cheeks. Like, that's all he can touch. And you know what's awesome is that that thing that's sort of like there's like a logo that's like in front of his crystal podium in front of him. It looks like a WWF belt that's around his waist. Oh, uh, he's like he's like fucking Gene Okerlund or something. He's, well, Hulk, what are you gonna do next week? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> All right, so we got at uh, – I'm going to play a, a, a voicemail from Esme here, um, and this is sort of what other people have been asking too, but I'm going to play Esme's voicemail right now. Hi, guys. This is Esme. A quick technical question. I just wanted to know what – I love the quality of your show. The production is so amazing considering that you guys do it yourself every week. And I wanted to know what mics do you use and what um, – software do you use to record over Skype? Thank you. Bye. So Esme is asking sort of some podcast questions and some other people had some podcast questions. So I'm going to briefly go over some podcast questions. Remember that you can email me. If you email me at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com, I'll send you a message back on sort of what, you know, if you have questions about podcasting in general. But, uh, but really she's asking sort of what mics we use. Tom uses a blue snowball mic. And uh, the blue snowball mic is a USB mic. It plugs directly into his computer, and he records off of GarageBand locally on his computer. And then I record uh, through a Shure SM7B on my end. It goes into a, a mixer and then into a Marantz recorder, uh, and that's a solid-state recorder on my end. And then what happens is, is Tom uploads his audio to uh, to a place on the web, which is our Google Drive uh, box, and then I download it. And then I mix both of those tracks together, and I normally mix the show in GarageBand. So that's how the show comes together. We don't record Skype unless we're recording a guest. That's the only time we ever record a Skype call is when we record a guest. And even then, I still take Tom's audio, and I try to replace it with the Skype audio that I get. So um, so we it sounds better because we think that the Blue Snowball sounds better than just recording off Skype. So if you're looking for a Skype recorder, which is what it sounds like you're looking for, there's plenty of free Skype recorders out there. Um, uh, Skype on PC will have their and, and on Mac both have uh, free recorders that are available to you. I would just do a search for Skype recorder, and then if you look it up, some of them will record on separate tracks, which is probably what you want. Um, you want to record on separate tracks and then split those out to uh, mono tracks so that it sounds it sounds like it's full, and so you're not talking in in one ear and then the other person's talking in the other. But when it splits the tracks for you, it allows you to edit out coughs and things from one end and the other. So that's what you're going to be looking for. You're going to be looking for something that records on two tracks. 
uh, and then you could probably run a podcast that way. There's lots of cheap ways to set up a podcast too. So again, if anybody's interested in starting a podcast or has questions about podcasts, you can email me directly. I don't want to bore the whole audience who doesn't give two fucks how we record the show, but uh, but I just you know I just wanted to get that question out there because there's a bunch of people asking sort of what the best equipment is, and there's a million pieces of equipment you can buy. Um, best is really just sort of what does your pocket afford? Really, that's what the best is. And then just send me an email, and we'll see if we can work it out. Bore the audience. You bored the co-host. I don't know what I that means. Yeah, I, I don't me? care about you. <laughs> I don't all. care about me either. <laughs> Have you seen the way I treat myself? <laughs> You're like an amusement park ride that nobody rides anymore. <laughs> They're like, that looks unsafe. That's not, yeah, that's, that's clearly not yeah. well maintained. <laughs> uh, so we got some email this time. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the email that we got. We got an email from Phil, and Phil says, uh, you know, he's like happy that uh, you know he said. He's where his favorite podcaster is, and he's got a bunch of stuff about Pat. He thinks Pat Robertson's hilarious, so he made us an image. And Pat Robertson is hilarious, and he made an alien Pat Robertson that's terrifying. This thing, this is like, this is like Pat Robertson's head on like some kind of weird spider mech body. It's just, yeah, it's awesome. It's super awesome. That's the future of Pat Robertson. You realize it really is. Like the seven hundred club is seven hundred years long. I mean, it's yeah. It's a Futurama picture, right. really. <laughs> so we're going to post this as one of the images for this show. So thanks, Phil, for sending in the image of Pat Robertson. Thanks, man. Cameron says, uh, hello to Cecil and Tiger. Nice. And, uh, and he says that he went to uh, Strasbourg. It's in France by, uh, I think it's by the German border, Strasbourg is. Um, he went to France and he laughed out loud when he read this. And basically, we're going to put this as an image too. So this was uh, actually uh, – it was in a church there. So if you get a chance – I'm not going to read it. You should take a look at it. It's hilarious. It made Tom laugh out loud. So go check it out. It's one of the images on the show it's this time. really, really funny. They're very funny. We got an email from Larry, Tom, and he's sort of taking pictures all over with his shirt on. Yeah, I love this. Um, Which is better than his shirt off, right. just so you Damn know. Damn it. You yeah. stole my thunder. Um, oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, this is great. Like, Larry just went places wearing his cognitive dissonance shirt, um, including the Kentucky Derby. Um, he went to uh, Sonoma during the harvest season. Um, anyhow, the, we appreciate the shirts a lot. Like, if, you have, if you're wearing your cognitive dissonance shirt somewhere awesome... Take a picture of yourself doing that for no other reason than I want to see it, and I've demanded it. Chop, chop. We got an email from Donna, and Donna says um, that she found us through the Scathing Atheist podcast. And Scathing Atheist uh, is a very funny podcast. You should listen to it yes. if you get a chance. And she asked, she says, I was wondering, do you or have you been a member uh, and posted uh, on any religious forums? I actually used to argue with people on forums – a long time ago, uh, it was actually – I think it was a gaming forum that I was on. But there happened to be like sort of just this board that was off to the side that was like just miscellaneous stuff. And this guy and I used to get into these arguments 
all the time about, you know, uh, religion and things. And I remember arguing like it would be like these long threads where we'd be quoting each other and back and forth and you quote this guy and then you go back and forth. And I just found that I just don't have enough time for that anymore. Like I just I, I kind of really enjoy and I know, Tom, you really enjoy that sort of back I and do. forth that you get <laughs> on uh, uh, that you get a chance to sort of flex your argumentative muscles. I just don't have time for it anymore. I'm always busy doing other things. So I never do it. But I think that those are fun to do. I, I don't know that I would go on a religious forum though i mean that seems like it seems like you know either you're just going to be like blowing shit out of the water or you're just going to be like trolled till you just leave yeah i've never actually i've certainly engaged in online debates for fun um i do cecil i fucking love it i know you do i really like i think it's i think it's a fucking total hoot to do um but i've never gone trolling like it's just i love when it finds me naturally though yeah oh yeah that is that's a day maker for me yeah, you're kind of a wordsmith, so it's really funny to read some of the responses that you put together that are very – I mean, it's pretty amusing. But I, I remember you know, many times being in that sort of back and forth with people where I'm quoting and then I'm saying this and this and this and this and then just sort of refuting all their points. Um, but yeah, that's, that's fun. So I hope you enjoy it, Donna. <clears throat> we got an email from Dawn, Tom, and Dawn had this – I mean, I think this really great – point um she's talking about bad funerals and how you know lots of times people just don't pay attention and there was a really bad experience um one of her friend's mothers died and it was just an awful experience with the priest there but uh one of the things in note that she says here that i want to read to the audience says i've also been to several funerals with altar calls and i vowed it would not happen when my father passed away, so my mom and I agreed to on a lay minister, not a professional one, who had known my father for decades. He read the script we wrote with mineral, minimal editorializing and sang along with the music selections, ending with Roy Rogers and Dale Evans singing Happy Trails. Please remind my fellow atheists that unlike a wedding preaching and a, a funeral requires no license, so be creative. And I think that's super important to remind people that if you, you know, if it is something, and you know, the, the stories that we're getting from most people are, you know, my family is religious and they just had this religious thing and it sucked and these people were jerks. Um, but if if you do come into, you know, if, if there is some sort of secular, you know, person in your life that didn't want a religious funeral, you don't have to go to a church. You can just have a funeral. You know what I mean? Like you can go to the funeral parlor and have, you know, you don't have to go through the church option there. So um, I know that when my family, when my dad passed away, uh, all we we had no f- service at all whatsoever except for I read a eulogy. That was the only thing that happened was I stood up and read a eulogy. And uh, my brothers, uh, I think my brothers said a few words too. So it was really just that was it. Like we just, you know, a few of our brothers said something. My mom just sat there and like that was it. And then we talked to a small room of people and then the funeral was over and we all went home. And that was the end of the day. So you can do whatever you want. There's no script and there's no, you know, like the other thing too is, you know, there's laws governing religious you know when you get married there's you know most of the time it's the only way to get married outside of a church is mostly religious unless you hire somebody to come there so it's great that she points that out yeah i i appreciate that and i customizing an an occasion that important is uh i mean hell it, it, it's one of the most meaningful things you're going to do in your life you know you know funerals of important family members and friends you know make them meaningful so that's great advice thank you we got an email from uh, from Tony, and Tony uh, asked us a couple questions. And one of the things he says at the bottom, he says, I'm surprised 
you've never addressed the topic of Christian music. Growing up in the church, I feel the most egregious crime of religion is the modern Christian music genre. The mix of homoerotic Jesus love and overproduced ballads making make listening to Kenny G while sipping eggnog seem delightful. <laughs> that's a great that's a great visual. Um, I just threw up in my mouth. But no, I you know the thing about Christian music is I never listened to it. Like I I was never like super religious when I was growing up. I was religious, but I wasn't super religious. So I never I was kind of thought like. When I saw it, I was always thinking to myself, I was like, I just don't want to, I just never really want to listen to that sort of thing. I remember I was into heavy metal and I remember Striper was really big, like with the certain people. And I, and I listened to it a couple of times. And I'm like, this is terrible music. This is really, because you know, when you got to fit Jesus in every song, he just dominates the song and you're just like, okay, well, I really don't want to be thinking about Jesus the whole time. I kind of want to think about, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> You know what's funny is like a lot of that – like I've listened to a lot of that crap um, just by accident, by just fucking accidental exposure. And it's it, it all sounds like a diet, vanilla, watered-down, light version of Creed. It's oh. absolutely it's, – it's, it's, it's atrociously bad music. But lyrically, it is an affront to the use of words. Like it is, it is an absolute <laughs> fucking crime against humanity. It, it's, it's, it's so offensively bad, and it is incredibly homoerotic. See, so like when you said like it wants to be sex, drugs, and rock and roll, they, they, the drug is Jesus, the sex is Jesus's cock rammed down their fucking throat the whole time <laughs> that they're fucking gargle singing around that goddamn flesh stick, and there is no rock and roll involved at all. It's like. All fucking major chords and happy fucking shiny, and it's like da we're all fucking happy. I don't understand how anybody can listen to one fucking banal, bland, uninteresting chord with the most god awful lyrics behind it for hour after endless hour. But my wife put up with that shit at a place of employment that she had forty hours oh. a week. She'd listen oh, to that shit. Oh goodness gracious! I go visit her, and like ten minutes in, I'm like, I can't do this. I've got to sacrifice a baby or something. Just, yeah. I, <laughs> I've got to like, I, I wanted to fucking just have an abortion, like just for no reason, <laughs> just to piss <laughs> them off, just for no reason. Oh, that's awesome! Thanks, Tony. Thanks for sending an email. So we got an email. Um, this is from. John and John says, uh, talk about revelation here. Tom, why don't you read his email? We'll let his words speak for him. Hi, Tom Cecil. First off, love the show. I've been listening for a while and never felt the need to chime in on anything, but I do have to say that the revelation show is unlistenable. As someone who thinks apocalyptic literature is badass and also historically interesting in painting a picture of Second Temple Judaism and politics in the outskirts of the Roman world, I think the interpretation you guys took was way too obtuse. I mean, obviously, the numbers are not meant to be taken literally and clearly have a symbolic basis. You don't have to know Hebrew numerology to understand that 10, 3, 7, etc. meant something to the reader back then that is meaningless now. The problem with your uneducated and completely non-contextual reading is that it is exactly how fundamentalists read that book. It is about as silly as mocking ancient cultures for their allegories and fables and assuming that they held a literal interpretation of those stories. Apocalyptic literature is widely understood by scholars to be political in nature and was used by Jews to describe political struggle against their enemies, which in most cases would be the Romans. That said, I'm kind of sad that you chose that book to mock, since even as an atheist, the three books of the Bible I like are Job, 
Revelation, and Ecclesiastes. Are there any religious texts you guys appreciate, even aesthetically or historically? Do you find any bit of religious text fascinating, just from an anthropological point of view? Or is it all an abhorrent and worthy of ridicule in your eyes? Don't mean to be a big fucking nerd about all this, but I'd love to hear back. Glory hole, John. So I guess I want to start out by saying um, a Gallup poll recently said that uh, 33% of people in the United States consider the Bible uh, literally true. Literally true. So that means that they think every single thing in that Bible is 100% true. Um, Not that it's an allegory, not that it's political struggle against enemies in the century, you know, centuries gone. They think that that there was a fucking boat and they stuffed a bunch of fucking animals on it and they floated in the ocean uh, made by God's tears or whatever. (laughs) And then they also think that there was, you know, several creation times that God tried to create. Man, I just can't create stuff today. I keep messing up. (laughs) There's like all different kinds of creation stories. Um, and they also think that, you know, if they think that stuff's literally true, they also think that Revelation is literally true. That, I think, is a low number considering Revelation. I think that there are people outside of the religious fundamentalists that you mentioned that also consider Revelation a book that should be read in, in such a way that it is a blueprint for the apocalypse. And uh, and those are the people who talk about, you know, the number of the beast, the number of the beast, the very fact, the idea that we even have that saying, that is from Revelation. That's where it comes. That's where it's birthed. So there's, you know, when we're talking about, you know, that that sort of idea about like people getting stamps and you know the left behind series look think about that think about how many people have read that or saw that that's all based off the blueprint that is revelation so when you say we have an obtuse view absolutely we did not go into depth and go look up all the different meanings that could be revelation we went with the meaning that is the most damaging to our culture and we mocked it because it's worthy of derision. That's why we mocked it. Because it's a 2,000-year-old book, like you say, that describes a, a political struggle that is specifically uh, people are using now to scare other people and make them do things and help them uh, gain more power in the church. So that's why we took that route. The idea that, that you know, like, like we're going to look at this in some way uh, special and look at, it, look at it as like some sort of religious text and spend a lot of time on it, those shows were bonus shows. You know, like Tom and I put – very little time into those shows. We actually, we could, what we, what I was doing was going on vacation. So those shows, when you're like, you know, the show you're getting, you're complaining about the revelation show, like that's a free show. You're basically saying, Hey, that, that free show that you guys put out is substandard to the other free show you put out. <laughs> well, that's too bad, man. Like, I'm sorry. They were half an hour, 45 minute shows that we just threw, cobbled together because we didn't want people to be bored. Uh, or miss us while we were gone. So we wanted to make sure that we, we put together something. But, you know, those were bonus shows that we didn't spend a lot of time on. We didn't we didn't read it. We only just read something and then talked about it. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that, you know, like when you say, you know, we, we're being obtuse, I think that the people that are reading that book and interpreting it that way are being obtuse. And I think that's a very, that's a very great way to say it. But that's the, that's the, that's the dominant view that we're trying to attack. And I, I want to dismiss this idea that um, the only way to approach the Bible um, is to approach it as a biblical scholar. 
um, because there are many, many more lay people than there are biblical scholars, right? So most people who crack open the Bible, um, crack open the Bible and just fucking read it. They just fucking read parts of the Bible. Now, granted, most people don't even read their Bible, right? Most Christians, of course, we know they haven't read that fucking thing. Um, and a lot of people get guidance from ministers, um, many of whom have no formal training whatsoever or minimal formal training um, or whose formal training doesn't agree with the formal training of the next guy. Um, so this idea that we should have found the true biblically accurate way to have uh, you know, discussed revelation before we open our mouths to discuss it. Um, I think that um, is dishonest in, in that it is not how the Bible is approached. The Bible is approached as the inerrant word of God. That's what it is. That's what it's sold as, right? That's like saying like, well, you know, you bought this car and you try to drive it too fast. Well, if they fucking sold it to me that it could go 200 miles an hour, and I hop in and I put the pedal to the metal and it goes 147 and I bitch about it. And you say, well, any engineer will tell you it doesn't do that. We didn't fucking talk to the engineers. I talked to the people who sell it. The people who sell it, sell it as the inerrant word of God. It is divinely inspired to lead me to the promise of heaven. And if I crack that book open and it's full of fucking locusts with helmets. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's fucking jib-jab. And I will treat that shit as jib-jab. Now, if, if you want to have a discussion about its its place in the historical canon as literature, that's a different conversation. And we didn't even attempt to have that conversation. But I want to say, too, like when you, you did ask at the end, you say, are there religious texts you guys appreciate even aesthetically and historically? When I was sort of searching, I was digging around through a bunch of different religions, and I found some really good stuff um, – Buddhist stuff that I read that I thought was really good. Some Confucian, Confucius works. I don't even know what that is, if that's even a religion, but I read some of it. Um, and it actually got me sort of tuned into some philosophy. So I, I mean, I read some of that stuff and I thought some of it was pretty good. Um, I remember, you know, writing down like quotes from different things because I thought that they had some good, good stuff in there. Man, there's some good stuff in the Bible too, you know, like fucking love your neighbor as yourself. That's some good stuff. I don't even know if that actually appears. It could just be fucking people just talking or whatever, but you know, like, like that, that notion, I'm sure that notion is somewhere in there or whatever. And the idea is, you know, like, like I think those sorts of things are good. Um, I I personally don't appreciate it as as like literature though. I've read through a goodly portion of the Bible. I remember reading it when I was you know sort of searching and being like, this is fucking bogus and just throwing it down. But I've read I have read all of the New Testament. So I've read I've read all the New Testament. This was my second time actually reading Revelations. I was rec I was recalling that I had it in a class in college. I so I've read the New Testament before. We also read. I also had a class that read selections from the Old Testament too and then we talked about them as historical whatever. And I've never found that the readings in the Bible were all that interesting. Um, I just didn't – I mean it's just not – it's just not interesting to me. Tom, I know that you're more interested in like literature and stuff. I, I mean it's probably not all that interesting to you either. Yeah, you know, I've read, I've read less of the Bible than you have um, but I've, I've perused it here and there. Um, I don't think it's very good. I just don't. I don't think most of the writing is very good. Uh, I don't think it's very interesting writing. I don't. I think it's um, pretty banal, pretty boring, pretty repetitive. Um, I don't. I don't like most of it. There's some okay stuff in there. There's some okay parables. There's some okay. Okay is the best I can do on it, though. 
Um, there's no point where I'm like, my gosh, that's I, I, all right. Some of the Psalms are sort of pretty. Um, some of the Psalms are real pretty. I'll give I'll give Psalms for for literature. I'll say okay, Psalms is is. is I don't know that I've pretty. read Psalms, so. um, but beyond that, that whatever. Um, other religious texts, um, I don't know. I've perused like the Bhagavad. I can't even pronounce it. The Bhagavad Gita. I, probably horribly mispronouncing. It's sort of interesting, I guess. Um, no, in a nutshell, no. Like, there's nothing that really grabs my attention and says, "Man, this is just sort of beautiful." Uh, no, I think most of it, no, <laughs> uninteresting at best. But that's a personal opinion. It's okay. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't like impressionist paintings either. You can. It's okay. We can we can disagree about that. And you're not wrong, and I'm not wrong. So, so we're hoping to have DJ Dorothy yeah, on right. next week. Uh, that's awesome. I'm going to be in contact with Peter Bogazian, I hope. And it's my hope that not just – like next week we'll have DJ on. And then after that, I'm going to try to get a hold of Peter, and we'll see if we can get Peter on. And uh, that'll be cool because we'll have two shows like boom, boom, right in a row um, with two awesome guests. So we're hoping to have DJ on. Great guy. Really cool guy. Uh, we met him at TAM and he was super awesome. So we're hoping that he'll come on and, and be ultra awesome on our show. So that's it for this week. Uh, come back next week to hear DJ. And we're going to leave you as always with the Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter mommy issue hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. 